Hi everyone, Skip Montro here. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let all of you know about Down to Business English's Black Friday Cyber Monday sale. Until Wednesday, November 30th, you can get a D2B Executive Director membership for 30% off the regular price. What do you get with a D2B membership? First, members-only episodes. Second, automatic delivery of audio scripts for newly released episodes. And third, complete access to D2B's audio script library. So, if you find Down to Business English useful in your English learning routine, if you enjoy the content, the topics, and stories we report on, if you get value from the down-to-vocabulary portion of the podcast, you should become a member today. Just visit the Down to Business English website and click on the membership link at the top of the page. Remember, the Black Friday Cyber Monday sale ends on Wednesday, November 30th. From Tokyo, Japan and Sterling in the United Kingdom, this is Down to Business English. With your hosts, Skip Montreux and Des Morgan. Des, I have to say, with you now living in Changsha, China, it is so much easier for us to get together and record now that we are almost in the same time zone. Yeah, it sure is a big improvement for us, Skip. But what have you been up to anyway? Honestly speaking, I have been working furiously on the D2B website. Really? I haven't noticed any changes. Well, you wouldn't yet. I've been working on everything in a local development environment on my computer. But I hope I can take everything live sometime this month, sometime later in November. I will keep you posted. And I will look forward to that. How about you, Daz? What's happening on your end? Um, I'm getting settled into my new life in China, of course. You know what, though? There are always lots of small things you need to find when you move to a new place. Luckily, though, it was Singles Day on November 11th, so there were lots of sales on. Oh, that's right. Singles Day in China is kind of like... A Black Friday, Cyber Monday situation. It's more like the opposite of Valentine's Day. Oh, why do you say that? <laughs> Because Singles Day is the 11th day of the 11th month and is an unofficial holiday here in China when single people are encouraged to treat themselves to something they've long wanted. <laughs> okay, I get it. November 11th. 11-11. One, 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 one. <laughs> There are a lot of lonely ones in that date. So, Des, did you get anything for yourself? Yeah, I sure did. You know what? I got a really good deal on a bicycle to ride to work. Oh, and a few sort of small items for the kitchen. Hmm. Well, it sounds like you were making yourself at home there in Changsha. Slowly but surely, yes. In the news... Two stories that we covered recently on D2B have developed a little bit. That's right. In D2B229, when we reported on the presidential elections in Brazil, 
It was before the October 31st runoff, so the winner hadn't yet been decided. That's right, only the first round of voting had taken place at that time. So, do you have an update for us? I do. On October 31st, the second round of voting took place and it was very close. 50.9% to 49.1% for Lula. So, Inácio Lula da Silva is Brazil's new president, but with a much smaller mandate than most people anticipated. Well, that's one story updated. The other update is from D2B227, where I reported on the political chaos in the UK stemming from Liz Truss's mini-budget. Mmm, and Liz Truss is no longer at the helm in Britain. She has resigned, yes. I think most Britons would agree with me when I say fortunately she is no longer our leader. Rishi Sunak has now taken on the job and has broken a few records in the process. Records? At 42, he's the youngest PM in recent times, narrowly beating David Cameron, who was 43 when he took office. He's also Britain's first PM of Asian descent, and as a Hindu, the first non-Christian. Isn't he also the richest prime minister in UK history? (laughs) Yes, that's also true. Sunak's father-in-law is the founder of the Indian tech giant Infosys, currently valued at £3.9 billion. Although his wife only has 0.9% of the shares, that still comes to a staggering £629 million. Wow, well, I think it is fair to say that they are doing okay then. Yeah, it certainly looks that way. So, those are some updates on some stories we have recently covered on Down to Business English. Des, do you have a new story for us to look at today? I do. About China? Not this time, no. Today's report features companies owned in the US, the UK and Germany, and a legal ruling made in a US court. Hmm, this story has quite the international flavour. Sure does. So let's do it. Let's get D2B down to business with the planned merger of two major publishers, Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster and why a US court has prohibited the merger from going ahead. I have heard of Random House and I have certainly heard of Simon & Schuster. As the US's first and fourth largest publishers respectively, I would guess that most people have at least heard the names of, or more likely have read, one of the authors published by these two famous publishers. But what exactly is Penguin Random House, though? Penguin is a British publishing house, and they merged with the American Random House in 2013. Now, this gets complicated because Penguin and Random House are owned by a German company, Bertelsmann, and that's the German connection. Okay, so Penguin Random House, their parent company is a German company. Bertelsmann. Okay. That's right. Bertelsmann. That's great. So as I've said, they became the US's largest publisher. 
Penguin's been around since 1935 and has published a long list of literary heavyweights, including George Orwell and Virginia Woolf. Mm, I make it a point to read Orwell's Animal Farm once a year. I didn't know you were an Orwellian. He is one of my favorite British writers. How about Simon Schuster? Who are some of their big names? Probably the most famous author published by Simon & Schuster would be Stephen King. Ah, yes. I like a little bit of horror, and Stephen King is definitely the undisputed king of horror. Oh, nice play on words there, Skip. Incidentally, Stephen King was dead against the merger as he thought that it wouldn't help authors get the best financial deal for their work. I can see why he would be concerned. If a writer doesn't have an option to change publishers, they would just have to accept whatever contract they were offered. However, Penguin's Daniel Petricelli said the two publishers would still compete against each other even after the merger. Hmm, okay, and how did Stephen King react to that? <laughs> Not well. He compared that to a husband and wife bidding against each other to buy the same family home. Okay, so in other words, he was saying it made no sense. Or that at the end of the day, it just wouldn't happen. Right, it would never happen. And the US court agreed with King when they blocked the merger on November 1st. They said it would be anti-competitive. If one company has a monopoly in any particular sector, then there will be less incentive to be competitive. How big would that combined company have been? They would have controlled nearly half of the publishing market for popular books in the United States and the UK. Hmm, so although not an out-and-out -out monopoly, still an enormous player in the sector. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they would have been huge. Interestingly, this court decision comes at a time when the Biden administration is focusing very closely on anti-competitive practices. Now tell me, are the two companies planning on appealing the US court's decision? Penguin has said that it will be appealing the decision, which it described as an unfortunate setback for readers and authors. I guess their argument is that the combined company would be able to save costs as synergies between the two companies could be explored. That is the usual argument behind mergers and acquisitions. Isn't Random House Penguin about to publish Prince Harry's memoir? Oh, you're very well informed, Skip. Prince Harry's memoir titled Spare will be published on January the 10th next year. Spare. That's an odd title. It comes from the saying that every monarch should have an heir and a spare. Ah, like a spare tire. An extra tire you carry around with you in your car in case you have a flat tire during your travels and have to replace it. Exactly. So Prince William is the heir and Harry is the spare. The extra in case something happens to William. Oh, poor Harry. That must be quite difficult to live with knowing you are the additional child in the family. Sure, but he has still had a life of privilege and untold wealth. You know what? I wouldn't mind being the spare. In a lot of ways, it's probably easier than knowing that you will have to take the responsibility of being king one day. Hmm, I suppose. And on that note, I think it is time for us to get D2V, down to vocabulary. 
find Down to Business English useful in your English studies? Would you like to support the show? Consider becoming a D2B member today. Down to Business English memberships come with three great benefits. First, D2B members receive bonus content in the form of exclusive members-only episodes. Second, within moments of a new episode being released, an audio script is automatically emailed to you. There is no need for D2B members to go through the time-consuming process of visiting the website, logging into their account, locating an episode, and then downloading the audio script file. And third, D2B members have 100% access to the entire library of audio scripts, all the way from Season 1, Episode 1, right up to the most recently released episode. Interested in becoming a member? Just visit the Down to Business English website and click on the membership link at the top of the page. I will get D2B started with the expression to be at the helm. This is originally a naval expression that simply means to be steering a ship. The helm is the wheel or steering position. Right. And idiomatically, when you describe someone as being at the helm, you are saying that they are in control or are in charge. In the introduction to today's episode, when Des and I were giving updates on past stories, I used this expression in the negative when I commented that Liz Truss was no longer at the helm in Britain. Which simply means that she was no longer in charge of the UK. To which I ruefully added that most people in the UK were quite happy about that. Ruefully? Yes, ruefully. Sorry, Taz, ruefully is not a word I use very often. It means to do something in a way that expresses regret. So I regretted that I had to say that most Brits were happy to see trust gone. Hmm, look at that. A bonus word in D2V today. Getting back to at the helm, can you give us an example using it in a business context, Des? Sure can. Lots of the staff at Twitter were very concerned about losing their jobs when Elon Musk took the helm. Hmm, and as it turned out, they weren't wrong to be concerned. Musk fired almost half of the Twitter workforce. 3,500 employees, to be exact. Lots of out-of-work Twitterers on the street today looking for a new job. Sad. Okay, now let's move on to the adverb, respectively. This word is really useful when you want to refer to two or more things in the same order that you've already mentioned them. You often hear speakers use respectively when they are giving presentations. You do. It's very useful. In the story, I said that Random House and Simon & Schuster are the largest and fourth largest publishers in the US, respectively. I was indicating that the first one mentioned, Random House, is the largest, and the second one, Simon & Schuster, is the fourth largest. The largest smartphone maker globally is Apple with 23% of the market while Samsung and Xiaomi, in second and third places, have 18.8% and 12% of the market, respectively. 
So Samsung has 18% and Xiaomi has 12%. Precisely. I did not know that. Do you have another word for a skip? I do. Next we have the noun monopoly. A monopoly is a company that is the only company to sell a particular product or provide a service. NTT in Japan used to be a monopoly, I think. At one time, they were the only company to offer telecommunication services in Japan. I'd have to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure you are right there. Now, when you say a company has a monopoly on something, you are saying that it is too dominant in a particular industry. Yes, that is how it was used in today's story. In the story, Des pointed out that the merger between Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster would give the merged company a monopoly in the sector. Sure, there would still be other publishing houses in the market, but this huge Penguin Random House Simon & Schuster thing, they would be too dominant. And as I said, monopolies are anti-competitive as a single company controls too much of the market. Can you give us an example of an existing monopoly? Sure. Intel has a considerable monopoly in the semiconductor market. They have a 75% share, although AMD has been catching up a bit over the last few years. Good example. Now we should also point out that this word monopoly can easily be used as a verb as well. It can indeed. If you want to communicate that something is too dominant, you can use the verb form monopolize. For example, my time in the office this morning was completely monopolized by writing emails to my clients. Oh, lucky you. My morning is usually monopolized by meetings. I would much prefer to be writing emails. (laughs) Interesting. What is the next item on the D2V list, Des? The business noun synergy. Synergy, a very useful business term. And often used in the plural synergies. It refers to the areas where savings can be made or efficiencies gained when two companies join together. In the story, I discussed how synergies are often given as the reason why mergers are considered a positive development. A good example would be when Amazon acquired the audiobook company Audible back in 2008. I remember when that happened. I'm a big Audible user and found it quite convenient that I could access my Audible library by logging into my Amazon account. That would have been one of the synergies created by the merger. Another, even more powerful synergy was the ability to bundle a print book and an audiobook into a single purchase. That merger is a very good example of synergy. Our final word on D2B today is the noun heir. An heir is the person who has the legal right to receive someone's property or title when that person, usually a parent, dies or retires. In the story, Des noted that Prince William is King Charles's heir and will take over as king after his father dies or retires. Just like Charles was Queen Elizabeth's heir and that's why he's now king. It's interesting to note that an heir 
doesn't necessarily have to be a son or daughter. No, it doesn't. Can you give us an example using air in this way? It was often said that the band Oasis were the natural heirs to the Beatles' sound. Oh, really? Yes, the sound Oasis produced was very similar to the sound created by the Beatles. Hmm, so Oasis? were the heirs to the Beatles? Yes, they kind of took that particular genre over, even though it was some time after the Beatles had disbanded. Hmm. But you hear Beatles songs in movies and on the radio all the time. How often do you hear Oasis? Would you like to support Down to Business English? Help D2B reach more people wanting to improve their business English skills. Be sure to subscribe to Down to Business English on Apple Podcasts or any place podcasts are found. While you are there, why don't you leave a rating and a review? Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English. Thanks for that report on the now blocked merger between Penguin Random House and Simon and & Schuster. Des? You are more than welcome. We will have to keep an eye on whether or not Penguin is going to move forward with the appeal. Yes, we will. The publishing industry is one industry we should cover more on D2B in general. It is, after all, a huge, massive market. There's no doubt about that. And we have a tendency to let business tech stories monopolize our attention on D2B. I'd say technology, finance and political stories are topics that we cover a lot. Hmm, I, I would agree. Perhaps maybe 30%, 20% and 15% respectively. Yeah, maybe a little less. Well, as long as we are at the helm of D2B, we will do our best to bring our listeners a wide variety of business and political news. A worthy objective. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Bye for now. Have a comment or question about today's show? Don't be shy. Visit the D2B website or Facebook page and post any comments or questions there. Skip, Des, or Samantha will be sure to leave a reply. Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.